Toasties. I'm Missy. And I'm Johnsy. And welcome to our Toasted Shenanigans. What you drinking over there? More alligator water. More alligator water. Now, who is the uh, creature of habit? Well, it's I can't waste it. It's almost gone. I'm my last one. So. I was going to say, you're definitely not the creature of habit. Look at me. I'm, I'm doing something new. You are. I got something new, guys. Which it's, drink them. It's a tea west like Key West, tea west just peachy, easy drinking, hard tea. You know, I just realized why this does not taste good. You want to know why? Why? Zero gram sugar. It tastes like artificial sugar. Is it better than the twisted tea? Yeah, yeah. It actually tastes like peach. Oh. Just try it. But it tastes yeah, like art- a whole lot of no. It tastes like artificial sugar. Yeah. And there's there's a and just, I don't like peach. There's an artificial sugar taste. There was a lemon one and I wish I would have got the lemon one. Yeah, I think the lemon would have been okay, but peach I, I like real peaches, but artificial peach tastes to me the way cat piss smells. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't smell this because it does not smell pleasant. But um it says it's a beer. But I'm not seeing the hops. I I don't know. I don't know. It's probably just come, it's some a, kind of malted beverage. It's a zero gram sugar, 100 calories. So I'm watching, you know, that not. Three grams carbs. I'll take my alligator water. You know, <laughs> you enjoy your alligator water. I will. So, uh. All right. Are we continuing on your... Yeah, we got a part two. Part two of your crazy-ass fucking case. Yeah, so a little bit of a rough recap. We have Joanne and her two very young daughters um, that were attacked in the middle of the night. Jan was murdered, and the two girls were savagely assaulted. Um, But anyways... This guy named Rodney is basically tried twice and convicted. Tried twice? Yeah, he had two trials. One for each of the girls? No. Remember oh. the first one? They found seven to five, five of the jurors, yes. and him not guilty. That's, yes, 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 yes. That's right. And then they, they decided brought... to try him again. With all the men. Yes. There was 12 white men on that juror jury where the first one was very diverse it was women it was men, men it was all people, different type of people yeah all races um and was the first trial he get was he guilty in that one too no he's found not guilty it was the hung jury that's right yeah i, I, I very, need to recap was, my memory there we will actually talk about one of the jurors later on that was um in that trial in the first one mm-hmm the one where he was found not guilty. Correct. And I just find it odd that they did that. That's just this whole situation. The whole the whole story fucked. is fucked. Okay. This this story alone, not that I would ever, but this story alone convinces me enough to never ever ever move to Missouri because their judicial system does not have any justice at all. Just fucked. Yeah. Okay. So All he's right. found guilty second trial. Got Correct. it. 
Um, so we're going to pick up now and talk a little bit about his conviction. We're going to talk about the evidence because we didn't go over all of that. We right. just talked about the really fucked upness of what happened that night. The actual crime. Yes. Um, bullshit. And we're going to talk about what this man had to go through and endure. Um, unfortunately, I do not have any stories about Melissa, the seven-year-old that went through um, this whole journey alongside of Rodney. Um, I just didn't have the time to put that in here, but like I said, be maybe f- another episode later down the road. I don't know. Um, I really believe if you want to get to know the case in high detail, um, go listen to the real killer yeah. on any kind of podcast platform. Um, my particular favorite is Spotify. Um, but it really is yeah. a great story. And I just started listening to season two where she is go over, going over also, another one where it was a wrongful conviction, and surprise, surprise, it's in Missouri. Oh, go. Cool. Yeah. But anyways, so let's get this started. Yeah. So Rodney was convicted. Um, he was sentenced to two life terms for the girls and 15 years for Joanne's murder to be served consecutively. He was 38 when he was convicted. Oh, my gosh. And he started his imprisonment at a place called The Walls. Now, this is a Missouri uh, Missouri State Penitentiary, also known as the bloodiest 47 acres in America. What the fuck? So, obviously, it's not a very pleasant place to be, nonetheless. Not only is it not just, you know, the bloodiest penitentiary in the U.S., it's the bloodiest 47 acres. Um... Which is a small, like, if you're comparing, like, to America, it's 47 acres is nothing. No. Absolutely not. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, anyways, Rodney recalls his first 10 years there being very rough, especially given his conviction. <gasps> oh, yeah. Because it was children. Yeah. He was physically attacked and shunned for being a baby killer and a child molester. Um, not even the Aryan Brotherhood would take him in for protection. He had absolutely fucking nobody. Yeah, they don't, they in, in jail, when it comes to children, you could do anything. If it was just Joanne, they would have been like, what up, brother? But because the kids mm-hmm. were involved, like, I'm surprised he Especially made back, it 10 years. back in that day. Like, I'm surprised he made it 10 years. That he could say his first 10 years was rough because, like, I, I heard from lawyers today, they're like, oh, they're in jail for, like, child abuse. Like, I'm surprised he survived. They're not going to live. And as far as I know, he was in Gen Pop. Like, he wasn't under any kind of, like, protective order or anything. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm surprised. Anyways, Rodney took each day, basically day by day. Um, obviously, he was depressed. There were suicidal moments. But he never stopped fighting, and he decided no matter what, he couldn't give up because he was fighting for his daughters. Oh. Um, he had other children, but he just talked about his two daughters mostly, and it was Kay and Kelly. One who absolutely, if it wasn't for her, he wouldn't be where he is today, but she dedicated her life fighting for her father's innocence. And then Kelly, who kind of just questioned, did he do it? And if he did do it, what am I capable of? Oh, I can see that being totally, like, fucked with the kid's psyche, too. And she kind of just cut him out of 
her life. She regrets it now. Completely stoked of when he got out. But. Spoiler alert. Yeah. But. Is she really wanted nothing to do with him. He wrote and wrote to her for, I think she said something like, I don't know, somewhere between 10 and 15 years. And she never responded. But the the letters never stopped. Oh, good on him. Yep. Um, now let's go over some of the evidence. Now, a lot of this is really choppy. Like I said, if you want all the details, go listen to the Real Killer podcast. Um, because it's a big story. It's a huge story. Um, but first and foremost, uh, we had this shady, unprofessional lineup photo, which yeah. we talked about in the yeah. first episode. Um, Burgoon, the detective investigator, presented that to Melissa for her to tell him who the bad man was. On top of that, you have the inconsistencies of Melissa's witness statements regarding yeah. identification of the perp. The perp was also right-handed and Rodney is left-handed. How did they know that? Um, so Melissa, when recalling what happened to her, made motions of okay. which hand the perp used. Okay. Um, and of course, Rodney's left-handed. Um, there was also a pubic hair that was collected at the crime scene from one of the child's blankets. Blankets were collected. Uh, the murder weapons, fingernail scrapings, Joanne's diary that she kept under her mattress along with a hatchet and a Hustler magazine. Hustler? A, yeah, I yeah. have no idea. They mentioned it very briefly in the beginning, but nothing ever came of it. It was kind of odd that it was there with other things. So I'm not quite sure what to make of that, but it doesn't really become of anything. Um, a sketch that create that was created of the perp based on a family friend's photo. And all cause Melissa said he kind of looked like Bill. When there was... 37, yeah, 37 other possible perps it could have been. There's 37 men in her diary. I don't think it was just in her diary because there was even a guy that was just their neighbor that used to babysit them mm. whose name is, gosh, what is his name? It was Stephen Yancey or something. It was Yancey something. But okay. um, he's also convicted of another crime and still looked at as a suspect now that the case is still open. Um, and even has his own kind of story now too, as well. Interesting. Okay. Um, but anyways, the only thing that tied Rodney to this actual crime was a hunch from Joanne's diary and a coach testimony from seven-year-old Melissa. Coached. Keyword there. Correct. Um, it has been said by Melissa that she remembers being coached. And even was given candy by investigators when answering questions. Her and Renee both. Uh, Department of Child and Family Services has assigned Melissa a victim's advocate at this point. And her name is Mary. Uh, Mary is no longer with us. But there was a blurb and witness testimony recorded um, in The Real Killer. Mm -hmm. And I'll quote some of it here. But Mary and Melissa spent a lot of time together. Um, Mary was basically responsible for caring for the girls and getting them just ready for school. And they even stayed with her for just a short little while um, before they went to go be with their families after the trial. Uh, but what she was also responsible for was making sure to help Melissa with her testimony. 
Hmm. So not necessarily just giving her what to say, hmm. but to practice with her um, as to show her where, like, where Rodney would be sitting. And uh, what to say, well, not really what to say, but how to, I guess, point at the perp where they would be in the courtroom. Okay. If that makes sense. In Mary's own words, though, she said, our job was to make Melissa and Renee comfortable in the courthouse surroundings, love their attorney so he could get anything he needed out of them, be comfortable in a courtroom with a judge in it. We were forbid under any circumstance to talk about the crime or anything to do with the crime. We stayed away from it. So she says that, but then she goes back and says, however, they still talked with Melissa about the bad man. And to me, that's still talking about the crime. It has to do with the crime. Absolutely. So you're still putting that into her head. Absolutely. Um, and of course, Melissa being a seven year old and what has happened to her, there was a lot of bad men. Oh Yeah. All men are at this point to her are bad. Exactly. Um, she referred to many men as the bad man. And she even at one point identified the prosecutor as the bad man. Yeah, she's traumatized right now. She's got like PTSD, the poor thing. Yep. Everybody's bad. And it seemed to be almost like when she would ever point out who the bad man was, she would kind of like cower and scrunch up and put her head down and be like, that's the bad man. Oh, baby. Um, cause remember at this point in time, the trial, second trial, she was eight years old. Yeah. And still traumatized. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mary did recall in the episode that they were driving and at one stop sign, there was a black male and Melissa does that thing. She scrunches up and she says, it's the bad man. And Mary had to reassure her it was not the bad man that Joe, Detective Burgoon, had locked up the bad man and he couldn't have possibly been there and that her bad man was white and wasn't black. Mm -hmm. So again, you're still, even when it's like ears aren't listening, you still even have Melissa struggling to identify who this person is. Right. Um, cause at this point for her, like just, it's all men. Yes. All men are bad. Yes. Anything that makes her feel uncomfortable, like, I guess maybe they could have just looked at her incredibly, because it wasn't just all men, but if it's just somebody that maybe wasn't just overly friendly or a face that she didn't really recognize, that person, that man was a bad man. Yeah. That was the bad man that hurt her and her sister and took her been, mommy. Well, I guess she did say that the man was naked. I was going to say it could have been a color of his shirt that could have triggered it. It literally could have been anything. No, I'm probably thinking the person just probably looked grumpy. And it was something along that matter. Thinking seven-year-old, mm-hmm. but... Uh, anyways, a juror spoke up after the trial, though. And she witnessed Melissa actually walking towards Rodney with a big smile on her face. Okay, so the, her mom dated Rodney while she was around. Cause being, yeah, they dated on and off for like eight months. Uh, Rodney refers to it as not like a serious relationship, like just like a kind of like sex kind of thing. But mm. obviously the girls kind of got to know him. Um, whether they actually spent the night there is really not said. Um, but obviously the girls did know. 
So she never thought him to be a bad man. No. Which goes no. back to what you were saying. like. And I do believe, like, even getting to know the case a little bit, the f- Joanne's family, like, her brother Nate knew who Rodney was and didn't see him in that kind of manner either as well. So Rodney was, like, an actually good guy and she kept him on the back burner is what you're saying? Whereas some I don't of know other... if it was just, like, a Joanne thing. I just think it was just kind of a sex thing. It just didn't kind of work out. I know they met at a bar. According to Rodney. But that was about it. Okay. Not a whole lot of details given about the relationship. Okay. Because it wasn't really that big of a deal. Right. But Joanne, obviously, she kept notes of all of her relations. And he was the only one in there that she had described with black hair. And that's how... Huh. That's how Rodney got picked out. Mm Mm-hmm. By Mr. Burgoon. Sounds like he's from, like, Scooby-Doo. <laughs> um, but anyways, this this juror says that, you know, Melissa's going up to Rodney with a big smile. You know, kind of like she recognizes him as she's a child. And she actually had to be pulled back over by her attorney so she wouldn't actually go up there and address him. Not that she made it all the way up there, but she did have to be pulled back. Hmm. So she saw something safe and comfortable and was pulled mm-hmm. away from it. That's depressing. Yeah. Uh, the jury goes on to say that she did feel like um, the attorney was leading Melissa. And that at first, when they went into deliberation, only two jurors found Rodney not guilty. It was actually Melissa's behavior when discussed that convinced the other three jurors that Rodney was not guilty. Hmm. Like, how could she be, how could he do something so horrible, yet she's not scared of him? Yeah, obviously she's not afraid of him. Yeah. She doesn't react, she doesn't cower, she doesn't tuck her head. Right. She doesn't whisper bad man. No, she is liberally walking up to him with a big smile. She recognizes him. Okay. Um, now going over some of the evidence and whatnot, there was things that we consider evidence today that was left behind. Oh, my God. That I can see back in the day they wouldn't have grabbed because DNA wasn't a thing. Why would we need this? Why would we use it? The technology just isn't there. Correct. But um, Joanne's brother and his wife go back to the crime scene after the investigation and after evidence has been collected to clean up the house. And they noted... And said that they wished these things had been kept, uh, kept or collected. Mm-hmm. Um, or even had they known. But there was things such as the cigarette butts. When you heard um, Melissa testifying that the killer was sitting on the end of mommy's bed. Smoking cigarettes and watching TV. Those cigarette butts were left behind. And Joanne did not smoke. No, Joanne was not a smoker. Because, I mean, it'd be in the 80s, like... yeah. Who doesn't smoke? But no, Joanne was not a smoker. Um, Joanne's also, her nightgown and her underwear were left behind. Bed, big red flags there. Yep. And then also, there was broken press-on nails still on the floor everywhere. Which, that one, to me, is something that they should have just collected. Because um, they did collect fingernail scrapings. Right. And Why wouldn't you collect the press-on nails? If they were just on the ground, they probably fell off from her, like, trying to claw at this man. Correct. And 
absolutely. But obviously they didn't check any DNA. So what would... No, like, they couldn't at the time. It wasn't a thing. Well, like, why would they even take fingernail scrapings, though, is what I'm getting at. If they're not checking DNA, like, what were you going to But they finger? did. They took the kids' fingernail scrapings. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, why? If yeah. you're not checking DNA, because you clearly weren't checking DNA by leaving the cigarette butts behind. Like, I just don't... Ugh. The whole situation's fucked. It's all fucked. Um, but starting with our first date, our first important date, mm-hmm. June 5th, 2003, there is an announcement um, from the circuit attorney, Jennifer Joyce at the time. She is starting a justice pro- project, and it is a conviction integrity unit. And they basically have 1,400 pre-DNA cases that can prove innocence or guilt with DNA testing. And they whittled that down and chose just six cases to start with. Okay. Rodney's was the first case. Okay. So, June 12, 2003, Melissa, she's an adult at this point in time, has her own babies... She gets wind of this and goes public with her disapproval of the DNA review. And Kay, Rodney's daughter, rebuttals and goes public as well. Um, now, this is not just obviously just a DNA review, but it's a huge war between the two opposing daughters and does cause quite the stink. Mm-hmm. And Melissa decides to take it one step further and write a letter to Rodney, not to just dis- voice her disapproval, but to kind of, in a way, harm him as well. She actually takes the extra step to cover the envelope of the letter in all kinds of slurs regarding his conviction. Oh, golly. Oh, honey. So, what he went through the first 10 years of his life in prison. Right. He's now going through all over again. Oh, gosh. Um, in her words, she did not want him to feel a day's worth of peace because she never has. Oh. And even when she was interviewed and asked if she wished harm to Rodney, she replies that, that she was not opposed to it. She was angry. Yeah. And she, rightfully she was, so. She was so convinced that this was the man who did it to her. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure she doesn't remember actually being happy towards him as a child. She just remembers, I was hurt, my mom's dead, my sister's hurt, and that was the man that was convicted, so he did it. That And she has all these memories that are so blurry and confusing, but she's always been told that Rodney was the killer. He's the one that did this to you and your sister and took your mom away. Yeah. So you're a grown-ass adult now. Right. I mean, how are you going to react? I can't blame her. I probably would have done much worse. Oh. Um, but angry and resentful, uh, Melissa also decided that she's going to go after Kay in the media. And she makes some nastier remarks that she can never, ever take back. Oh, gosh. Carry on, yes. I'm just... I just know there was a lot of forgiving that was done. So, April 4, 2004, the assistant circuit attorney, Ed Postaco... I hate this motherfucker. These names, though, man. 
Yeah, I don't know, but I just hate him. These, like, Scooby-Doo names are, like, the worst. (laughs) Would have got away without you meddling kids. (laughs) He was leading the review of Rodney's case. Um, He basically came to say there is zero proof that would provide innocence of, of, or would provide innocence or guilt in Rodney's case. Um, Going on to say the fingernail scrapings were lost. Go figure. And the pubic hair found in the blankets doesn't provide proof of anything. Exactly. So why are you charging Rodney? Well, in his case, he just says case closed. Of course. Carry on. So they're closing the, basically the Innocence Project case. Oh. Kay, Rodney's daughter at this point, is extremely outraged. Because at this point... She's like, if you considered my dad's case in the first place, obviously there's something there, and now you don't even acknowledge it and say that things are lost. Mm-hmm. Something's not right. Which causes her to be progressive, and she decides to start investigating the case herself. Go, girl. She goes for the first transcripts from the court, and of course they're lost too as well. Of course. And then the second transcripts she did have, and they actually enticed her to go get the police reports because something in them just didn't seem right. Hmm. And then that's when it led Kay to the unjust photo lineup. And you got to remember, she never saw this. At this point, the only person who has seen this is Melissa in Burgoon. So, obviously, when she looks at it, she's enraged. Naturally. Um, It was set up. Yeah. Which caused her to do a deep dive into the investigation even further. And she's spending, at this point, hours in the library dating through whatever she came across. And personally, in my opinion, she did more work on this case than the original investigation team ever did. That's just fucking insane. Um, you'll hear more about the Midwest Innocent Project, but they do work with Rodney and Kay quite, quite a bit. Um, but Steve Weinberg, an investigative journalist and the founder of the Midwest Project, even noted after talking to Kay and looking through her research that she was very well organized and very realistic. Um, the Midwest Innocent Project, after talking to Kay, decides to take on Rodney's case and test the evidence. Yes. You know, I thought I would just throw this in. At this point, Kay does find out uh, Rodney's defense attorney, Robert Hampy, was also being investigated for... I know. <laughs> These names. I know. They're all over I'm the place. I'm literally like... I'm, like, living a Scooby-Doo film <laughs> just by these names. Love it. Carry so, on. So, Robert Hampy was being investigated for money laundering. Oh, wow. Go figure. But get this. The man he was working with who testified against him was also murdered. <laughs> and this is all taking place. Oh, my god! While he is defending Rodney as a public defender. Oh, he's laundering money. His yes. person's being murdered, and yes. he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna defend your ass." Yeah, he's still going to work, though. He's still yeah, going yeah, to yeah, work. Give him that. Um, but 
at the end of the day, Hampy was charged with money laundering and was disbarred. <laughs> oh, no. But that just shows you just how fucked up, you know, the system is. Have you watched that Netflix... Sorry, totally sidetracked. No, no. But have you watched that uh, Netflix um, thing on... What is it? The Murdoch's? Murdoch's? Okay, I have not watched that. I've been seeing some, like, articles popping up on my phone about that. Like, what the fuck? It's fucked. Yeah. It's, so fucked. it's got Missouri vibes all over. Missouri vibes. <laughs> Even though it's and in South And you want to come after um, Wisconsin. All right. This is the government. Y'all are just fucked up in general. People over here are, like trading money and whatnot. Leave my state alone. Yeah, leave my state alone. You I'm guys just like to kill fun. each other. <laughs> we don't carry on with your story. All right. <laughs> Anyways, 2006. Now, Rodney is up for parole, and MIP so, requests. So he yeah. let's let's do the math here. Like he was, he was um. Sentenced in what two thousand or nineteen eighty three eighty three and it is now two thousand and six, and he is now up for parole. Yes. Oh my fucking goodness. Yep. And MIP, the Midwest Innocence Project, he requests that the hair and other items be tested. Excuse me. Sorry. Melissa, <laughs> <laughs> Melissa attends Rodney's parole hearing, and through. Very, very hateful speech demands he stays locked up. Oh, honey. She never hesitates to be at any, like, media event or a parole hearing, whatever it is. She is there, and she's up front and center, and she is loud and determined. I can at least say she was definitely, you know, I think in a way she felt like she couldn't be there for her sister and her mom because they're past now, but she definitely followed through with. She's gonna make them. sure the justice stays yes, until the, her dying day. Yep. I don't blame her. It's heartbreaking to know. Extremely, extremely and heartbreaking. It's just okay. Like I can't tell you how many times I was listening to just some of the witness statements and them talking. And it's one thing when somebody's telling a story, like when I'm telling it now and giving you all the facts and details, but to hear it in their own words, hear their tone coming through, you feel their emotions coming through to this one. I will be the first one to tell you that some of the times I just, I just teared up and I'm not an emotional person. I fucking am. (laughs) You would have been bawling. I probably would have. (laughs) I, guys, give me just any good sob story. My ass is fucking crying. (laughs) Alright, but anyway, 2006, the MIP decides decides to um, test the the items, correct? Oh, thank goodness. Uh, But Melissa attends Rodney's parole hearing, and even though she, you know, says all her stuff, and the MIP does all their things, he stays locked up. Um, MIP doesn't give up and they actually gain evidence from the Department of Child and Family Services. Oh, I did not know there was evidence there. Yes. And that was the important evidence about Mary and Melissa that I referred to when we were talking about the evidence. Oh, yeah. That was never discussed in any of the trials and it was something that never anybody knew anything about. So it was evidence that was never brought up? Yeah, it was evidence after the case. Isn't that like... Isn't there, like, a law against that? Like, withholding evidence? Yeah, like, it is. But I don't know. 
how would the defender find that? And plus, he had a shitty defender. You know, like, he's stealing he had a, All he cares about is stealing money. I was going to say, he's too busy with <laughs> his money laundering. his money. Yeah, his money laundering business that he's just like, yeah, I'll represent you too. Why not? It makes me look like I'm doing shit. I mean, at least at the very most, if they found out that was going on at that current time during the trial, because that happened during the trial, it could have at least been like more like a cease and desist kind I of guess. thing. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Carry on. This is this is just. But anyway, see, um, they also find out that Jennifer Joyce, the circuit attorney at that point in time, had never closed Rodney's case, like Ed Pastaco had said. Pastaco. Yep. <laughs> Pistaco. Pistaco. It sounds like a wine. Taco. Makes more tacos. Ooh, tacos. (laughs) Okay. But anyways. (laughs) um, And that Jennifer Joyce, the circuit attorney, knew nothing of the evidence from the DFS. Okay. All right. Hold on to your britches. Holding them. Five years later, the DNA can be tested. From the fingernail scrapings, they were found. Um, but they were just too old to be tested. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and then none of the other twelve items tested, though, match Rodney's DNA. Go fucking shit. But the judge does rule that the hair not belonging to Rodney does not prove his innocence, and does not rule out the eyewitness testimony, which is what they still have Rodney on. Which they can still, still consider gold. I mean, there I can understand that thought process because in her diary she did they did talk about how it being him being more like a sex thing, but which means that she obviously had other relations at the same time, so that that pubic hair could have been from anybody else because she could have been in a relationship. I think it ended up being from Joanne herself, to be honest. If I remember correctly, I could be completely fucked up on that. No quoting us. Yeah. <laughs> I think I read it. It wasn't through the, cause I did a lot of other research besides, you know. Yeah. Just listening to that amazing podcast, The Real Killer. But, um, in one of the news articles, I believe they had said that it belonged to Joanne. But okay. we do know they fuck up things too as well. Oh yeah. Um, flash forward to 2011. Fuck. Rodney is up for parole again, and he opts out this time, uh, seeing a light at the end of the tunnel, that if he takes the parole, he will forever be convicted of murder and not the free, innocent man that he wants to be. Oh, sweet thing. 2011. 1983. We are now in 2011, guys. Yep. Keep going. Flash forward again. 2015. This is when Crime Watch Daily, I referred to in my first episode um, that I did watch about this case. But um, they released an episode about Rodney's wrongful conviction and the possible link to Tommy Lansalis, which you oh, hear about yeah. in the third parter. Yep, come back for that one, guys, because Tommy booked up. He's messed up. As soon as... We were learning of this. You were telling me about this story and learning about Tommy. I had to know more about Tommy. So definitely come back because that's... Some of the things that I've heard that it's just like, again, I have tears. I don't get emotional, but 
to hear him say some because I watched some of like his interviews and whatnot. Like, ugh, God. Yeah, come back, guys. Yeah, come we're gonna, back for that one. We're gonna learn about Tommy next. Um, but anyway, Melissa up until this point is still very hateful towards Rodney. Um, does not agree with him moving forward. Any kind of parole hearing does not want him to be, you know, a free man. But she decides to watch this episode, even though she's very much so against it. That's interesting. Because it paints Rodney in it, in an innocent light. Right. So it's very interesting that she, she probably wanted to watch it to be like, later go down what the, the road fuck and be do like, they have you guys say. are yeah. so wrong. Like, you guys exactly. got this wrong. You guys got that wrong. Um, you don't know what you're talking about. But she had never seen any of the, like, crime scene photo- photos or even a photo of Tommy Lynn Sells. She didn't even know who this man was. Never heard his name or anything like that. Um, but she recalls in that moment of watching that ep- episode, her PTSD just swallows her whole. Yeah, there's a reason. Yeah. She couldn't breathe. And then all of a sudden she's traveling in time, opening a door she had kept locked for 33 fucking years. Mm-hmm. And she's that little seven-year-old again and watching everything go down again. And everything is the same, but not the man. Mm-hmm. She said she knew those dead eyes. Mm-hmm. And those dead eyes did not belong to Rodney. Rodney was not the man that did this to her family. Um, now, unfortunately, Melissa was flooded with immense guilt after this, and... Yeah, I, I read that Melissa called Kay. Mm-hmm. Bawling. Just sobbing. And all she could say is, your poor dad. Yeah. She was... She, she actually took this harder than I would have expected somebody to take take it especially having the crime actually be be done to them mm-hmm. like i would have been pissed i would have been pissed that i was manipulated and whatnot but she wasn't she was she felt guilt mm-hmm. she felt like she did something wrong and she did absolutely nothing wrong but she did go to her family for guidance after watching this episode and they just kind of told her that we always had our doubts about rodney being the killer we just didn't want to upset you. Like her bro- uncles and shit? Yeah. What? So like I said, at some point in time... She was that manipulated that they felt like if they spoke out against what she was saying, that would it would upset her. Yeah, and make her relive everything. Uh, and she was seven. So what are you supposed to do? Yeah, seven. How do you handle that well, situation? Seven, I'm eight not years mad old. at the family. I mean, I kind of am. But... They could have fought. They could have fought for her because that's honestly, they let her be abused all over again. Exactly. Yeah. And they didn't. So, Um, I mean, I get it. I get it. She was a a victim to the state and they kind of just allowed it. Yeah. But this is when Melissa reaches out to Kay seeking forgiveness and they go to the state to recant her witness statement. Uh, And I read that they rejected her recantment. 
at first they did, and she was very upset. She is a ballsy fucking woman, first of all. I fucking love her. Well, she's amazing. She does not hold back, and she no. speaks her mind. Well, look at how many times she came back to fight back. Be like, no, bitch, you did this to me. Even though, I mean, in her heart of heart, that's what she believed. Because that's what she was told to believe. And you get told a lie so many times you believe it. And I think they just wanted to put this case to rest super fast because it was scary and intimidating. And they wanted to what make was... their little town sa- feel safe again. Yeah, it's still known to be one of the most brutal and bloodiest cases in Missouri. Yeah. So it was a big deal back in the day. And so I understand them trying to, like, try to find the killer, like, right away and put it to rest so that their little town doesn't stay fearful for, like, ever. The only thing is, is what if they did all that and all of a sudden somebody pops up with the same exact way and then they're going to be like, well, what the fuck? I thought you got the killer. Yeah. But unfortunately, that, that didn't happen. Not in their little town. No. Um, but yeah, she's pissed and just to hear her anger and her, and her voice when she storms off from that interview and she ends it with, I hope y'all can do the right fucking thing and storms the fuck out. Yes, bitch. Unfortunately, they don't. And the state of Missouri just will not let go of Rodney. Um, they are holding on to that witness statement, and even with Melissa's permission, they are not moving forward. That's it. Um, which surprises me because even when you go back and you think about the evidence that was not leaked to him, and the her recanting her statement. That was everything that he was charged on. That was yeah. what the jurors said found him guilty. Right. And you take those things away, but Missouri's like, hey, no, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. In their minds, um, they're saying that, and even one, in one of the interviews with Joe Burgoon, they're saying that the Midwest Innocent Project got a hold of her and they're the ones that manipulated her oh my fucking goodness yes and up until that point joe burgoon fun fact had actually kept a photo of melissa and renee in his wallet that's creepy that's really freaking creepy just because he said that it meant so much to him but ew he then states at the end of the interview that he is then such taken that photo out of his wallet because of how Melissa has treated them. Asshole. Burgoon. Big old fucking asshole. No shit. After this, Melissa slips into a very, very, very deep depression oh. and she just can't come to forgive herself. Even though Rodney and Kay don't hold anything against her. They never have. In their opinion, Melissa is still this seven-year-old girl being manipulated by many. And had the table been reversed, they would have done the same thing if in her shoes. Let me say, like, Melissa's the badass, yes, because she just don't hold back. She speaks out. But, like, those two are the true badass. Like, holding out. Like, Kay, 
good fucking on her. Absolutely. For holding out and helping out and sticking to it and then forgiving Melissa for what she did. Because, yeah, she was manipulated, but you know what? Like, she held on to the, that, that that was her truth so hard. And they're still like, mm-hmm. it's not her fault. It's okay. It's not her fault. It's okay. And then Rodney, first off, for fucking surviving jail, prison, mm-hmm. being known as a baby killer. Like, that in and of itself is fucking, like, I want to know, like, did something else happen on there? Like, that we don't know, like. I'm sure there is. There's stories he'll probably take to his grave. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's like the military. But, like, all that. Those two are true badasses. And even to, like... Because there's details given, too, about the both of them and the real killer. And it hurts so much to know that they had to go through all of this and in the middle where you don't see their story through our episode, they did not have great lives. No. You have one where Melissa, life didn't get any easier after the trial. I can imagine. It got worse. Oh, gosh. I mean, starting with the fact that she had a colostomy bag and was teased and bullied about that to the point where... She was passed around to different relatives, and then one of her uncles that her her aunt was married to sexually assaulted her and her sister. Oh, God. Like, it, it doesn't stop. It's just fucked up after fucked up after fucked up. And then you even have Kay, which pisses me off, too. Her daughter was murdered in a fucked up situation. Oh, golly. Where, when they went, then went to court, I can't remember exactly what happened, but the murder was acquitted mm. due to something stupid. Mm. So she has her father, who she can't get out, who's an innocent man. But and then the she murder of her child is, is acquitted free. and gets to walk free. Like, both of them are extremely strong. Yes. And both of them... Like, I just, I, I feel for them completely. I applaud to you, ladies. Um, but anyways, after all of this and Melissa trying to forgive herself, Melissa does go through many suicide attempts. Oh. Um, flash forward again to 2017. Finally have a new circuit attorney. It's no longer Jennifer, is Kimberly, Kimberly Gardner. And she's the first black woman to take office in the state of Missouri. And she did run a justice platform. And her first order of business is to review questionable convictions. She did see the issues with the state prosecuting team. And so she was trying to create a program to fix those issues. Yes. And Rodney's case was the first to come across her desk. Now, of course, when working through it and trying to appeal it and whatnot, the court said they could not appeal it because they did not have the power to overturn the conviction based on innocence unless Rodney was sentenced to death. Oh, gosh. So he wasn't. So therefore, shit out of luck. Couldn't do anything about it. 
Oh, I was so afraid that all of a sudden you'd be like, so they had to do that first. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> no, they didn't, they didn't go back. They've been a whole new trial. Oh. But the MIP sought for the Supreme Court to review the case instead. However, they were quickly denied. Supreme Court don't give a shit. Of course not. This definitely had Rodney's lawyer questioning the system. And if they couldn't get Rodney home, what were they doing? And why was she even a fucking lawyer to begin with? Like, she saw it all, like, laid out in front of her. The fucked upness. Mm-hmm. And actually, for 30 years, the attorney general had fought against every single innocence case. Like, he was just against it. He fought against all of them. What? Um, but in tears, uh, she refuses to give up. And one more time, Rodney is eligible for parole. It looks a little bit different this time because now he has Melissa standing behind him. Yes. He has Obviously. Kimberly supporting his hearing, the circuit attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is one man that still stands in the way. Ed fucking Pastaco. He's the former assistant circuit attorney and chief warrant officer. But this shady ass dude doesn't tell anybody, doesn't inform Kimberly, even though they're the same office, but reaches out to the parole office and gives a lengthy presentation as to why Rodney shouldn't be released on parole. Oof. No one knows what is said during this. Um, No one can have files of the conversation, not even Kimberly. And Ed was not authorized to meet with the parole board, nor to represent Kimberly's office. Oh, shit. So, how the fuck that happened, I do not fucking know. Suck some dick. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Sorry, guys. But anyways, this brings Kimberly to file a motion to reopen the verdict due to false evidence. Yes. What was said false evidence? Ed had previously mentioned in a DNA proceeding that Melissa's identification had never wavered. And we know that's a lie. Right. Yeah, she has definitely was all over the place. Yeah. But in order to move forward with that motion, mm-hmm. the city had to make, well, they didn't have to. They made Rodney sign a waiver forfeiting any compensation rights. I did hear that. I did hear that. And I... mm. And at this point, you know, Rodney's already lost everything. What the fuck does it matter? He's just ready to gain his life back. What he has left of it. Yeah. Because at this point, he has already lost almost 40 years of his life. Exactly. And money... missed his entire children growing up. He missed his grandchildren. Now he has great grandchildren. I believe I saw. Oh yeah, because he's statement. like seventy-eight by the time he gets out. Yeah, somewhere between seventy-four and seventy-eight. I yeah. can't remember exactly. Oh, seventy-four. He's seventy-four when yes. he was released. Um, but at this point in time, he says his grandbabies have babies, and he doesn't even know any of them. Yeah, breaks my heart. Yep. But he said money meant nothing to him, and he signed. 
the waiver. June 1st, 2018, the governor of Missouri spends his last day at work calling Rodney. There is a couple other um, inmates that he does call, but he lets Rodney know he is releasing him on time served. Rodney has spent 36 years and 10 days in false imprisonment. This man goes on to tell him he wants him to spend the rest of his time being a better person for his family and his community. Be a better person. I That pisses me off too as well because this own man is known for some shady stuff. And the reason why it's his last day um, is because he rather just quit before he's impeached. <laughs> Again, politics fucked up. Um, but Joanne's case is still considered an open investigation. Rodney is unfortunately still considered guilty by the state of Missouri. His lawyers are still working on a full exoneration. So it's still on his record. Yes. And they just were like, we'll consider this time served. You're free to go. Yes. So correct. he was never actually acquitted of his crimes. No. No. And there is an estimated amount of 60,000 innocent people remaining in the Missouri prison system. So Missouri's just locking people up for willy-nilly bullshit. I haven't done a whole lot of research on it. um, But it sounds like it has a lot to do with the lower class and who can afford what. And again, you want to get at Wisconsin. (laughs) Um, I would like to note that, um, Rodney said he, I guess, wanted a really good milkshake the day he was released. And they went to Steak and Shake. I Uh, love Steak and Shake. I've never been. That's because you're not from the Midwest like I am. Oh, fuck off. (laughs) I will say, I didn't know that he signed something waiving compensation because I did read that he got out with zero fucking compensation, which irritated my soul beyond its core. Like if Mm -hmm. there was deeper than core, that was where I was getting pissed off at. Um, But I did see they had a GoFundMe for him. Yes, for him to get a new truck. Yes. And it's actually still open. Is it really? It is. I did not. I it did is not know still that. open on the uh-huh. GoFundMe because he's not. They're still not at their goal. What? But he did get, all these years later. All these years later. Well, it's not that long ago. He got out. Two thousand eighteen. It's been five years. Still. It's still not at its. It's goal. not a high goal. It's really not. But it's still not at its goal, and it is still open. Um, he did get his truck according to the website. So I don't know if maybe they reopened another one. Um, I don't know. I have to look into that because I would definitely like to participate. Yes. So there, cause I know at this point in time, he's like, well, I think that's, I I think that's why I'm thinking 78. Oh, now he's probably like 80. Oh, if he got out and he was 74 when he got out, Mm -hmm. it's been five years. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably about 80. He's almost 80, and, I mean, just that's, I saw the picture of the family all together, including with Melissa, and, 
can we just talk about the fact that her name's Melissa? <laughs> you know, with her last case, Slenderman, I saw the pictures of Morgan, and I'm like, oh my gosh, why does it look like me as a child? It does look like you. I'm going to like post you. a picture of me as a child, and you then should. Morgan as a child. You should. Like, I, you guys have creepy similarities. It's really fucking creepy. I The moment I saw a picture of Morgan, I instantly was like, oh... Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, and now we have Melissa in this case. Um, it's really kind of weird. Won't find no fucking Johnsies. No. <laughs> there's what, one other Johnsie out there? Uh, there's a few more. There's actually another Johnsie Napier. That's creepy. Isn't it? And I tried to reach out to her one time and she totally fucking blocked me. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's. Hilarious. She was like, uh, no, spam alert. <laughs> That's probably what she thought. <laughs> uh, but anyways, Frodney recalls going to the Steak and Shake. And this broke my fucking heart. And he says this little girl comes running up to him out the doors and grabs him around his legs and says, I love you, Grandpa. And he had no idea who she was. But it was one of the best feelings in his life. <laughs> you guys, I'm fucking crying. Oh my god. I told you I'm a sucker. I'll be okay. Um, oh my god. Our last and final flash forward, 2021. Melissa and Ronnie actually finally see each other for the first time since his release. Because COVID kind of interrupted yeah. everything. And they were both definitely a victim of the state of Missouri, and they are happy to have gained each other in the fucking fucked up madness that they went through. Um, I'm quoting Rodney at the end of this, but he said, the situation that came between us was wrong for both of us, but look what came of it. I gained another daughter. Oh my gosh. And that, like, I, he just is like a wholesome person. Like, if I was in his shoes, I would hate her. I I don't think I could look at it the same. Like, he is a wholesome person. Honestly, though, he probably held on to the little girl who was smiling and approaching him. He okay. probably knew right then and there. Then, yeah, it was never. It was not her. Mm-mm. And never held her responsible for that situation. Because he, you can't tell me he didn't see that. You can't tell me he didn't know that, but he couldn't speak. My heart aches. Mm-hmm. And My heart aches for all of them, like... What has happened to both of those families is just, it, it, it's something you can't replace and it's awful. It's very awful. And I love, 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 love that these women did not let their emotions in the end get the better of them. Because Kay could have easily been like, fuck you. Fuck you, Melissa. Yeah. Like, you were fighting against him coming out. All the nasty things she had said about her. Like, it wasn't just like, 
what she had said in the beginning when she was seven years old. No, Melissa continued this vicious cycle of her not just life. attacking Rodney, but attacking his family too as well. The whole her their whole life. Yeah. Like I know. It's it's a rough case and it's a tearjerker. It is such a tearjerker and definitely listening to gotta go back and listen to the, the real, real killer. killer. Yeah. Oh my god. I wish I remember her name. I always think I gotta mention her I name know, in this. I know. And then I every time I go it. to it, I forget it. I can, either way, she does an amazing job. I can see it. I can see it. Like I'm looking at it on the computer still. I can see her name and I I cannot tell you what it was. Um But yeah, there is definitely the case is still open. And that is because the person that they now think is the killer is dead. Yes. And I will note that Kimberly, the uh, circuit attorney, mm -hmm. does believe it was Tommy. Yes. So come back for next episode, guys, because we're going to learn about Tommy. Absolutely. Because that one is a... You're going to see why he is the... Well, first off, Melissa recognizes those eyes. Those dead eyes. Them dead eyes. And, you know, you hear that a lot in a lot of cases, too, is, like, the eyes. Mm -hmm. The eyes is what sells it for a lot of them. I was like, wait a second. I know that look. Well, I was always even told, I think it was by my nanny at some point in time, um, she had kind of, like, said that to always, like, kind of fall in love with a person for their eyes because their eyes are the only thing that never change or alter about them. Well, they also, also say that the eyes is the gateway to the soul. Yeah. So is she, if that's what she recognized, I trust her one fully 100%. I do. It seemed like it, like for her to be so demanding and like not altering as an adult to all of a sudden she was like, Oof. yeah. And broken down. Yeah, something something was triggered there. Yeah. Something was triggered. And that's why, like, with all these other people where she's like, ooh, bad man. Like, there had to have been something, an action, a movement, that's a saying, twerk, like a, face a, ba- or, yeah. a, a certain facial expression that was like, ooh, mm-hmm. bad man. She probably definitely was all of a sudden, like, head down, squinching, like, bad man. Mm-hmm. I could I could just imagine that her being, like, in her 30s and be like, ooh, bad man. But, yeah. Next episode. Next episode. Tommy, Tommy Lynn sells. Fuck. Fucking. Fucked up dude. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. He, he makes what's his fuck look like a like a little innocent boy. Like, <laughs> Which this, one? <laughs> like this is the this is probably one of the worst I've heard of. He's up there. He's I'm surprised he's not talked about more. That's all I'm gonna say. And we'll, he's, he's definitely in my top three. Like, it's I'm, awful. I'm surprised he was not, he's not brought up more. I'm surprised he's not up there with the Ted Bundys and the Charlie Mansons, like, and the, and the he Jeffrey Dahmers. He definitely, like, he outdoes them all. Uh, Ted Bundy and him, I could almost see a little, a little. I think he's worse just, we'll talk behind the scenes, but. You guys gotta come back. Yeah, you gotta come back. Come back. All right, guys. And, in the meantime, please drink. Stay hydrated. Melissa and Rodney, or stay hydrated. One of the two. Uh, I would like to note, Rodney is going fishing. He's enjoying his new truck, and he's going skydiving. 
And if that GoFundMe is still open, definitely go drop him a dollar. Please do. I know I'm going to go check it out. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, bye. Bye.